0: Hey, it is Clay at The Money With Clay Podcast. Welcome here to another episode. Um, I hope my voice holds out. <laughs> uh, hey, this is, this is all things money, including business. Uh, so a little business, I don't wanna say secret, uh, maybe business, common sense that I overlooked that I should have done, but I didn't. And I don't wanna say I paid the price for it, but I did pay the price for it, um, but in a good way, because it, it didn't feel like what it was. Uh, but for my other business, I've started to do, or I did a, a live webinar, literally last night. So I'm recording this Friday morning, the day of it being uh, released. I wanted to conserve my voice yesterday uh, because it was, you know, first live one. Put a uh, put a lot of effort into, you know, driving traffic to it and getting people to show up. And but and I've put, been putting these slides together forever. And in in I mean, it dawned on me. All right, Clay, you should probably go through each and every one, like go through the presentation and time it just to make sure that you don't have some like five hour presentation. But in my mind I'm like, Clay, there's no way you have, now of course not a five hour presentation, but there's, there's no way, it's, it's e- at most it's like two hours. And then that's, that's pretty typical for a live webinar, I mean you got about 60 to 90 minutes of the actual presentation, then you have 30ish minutes potentially of cr- question and answers because it was live so you know right around 2 hours that's not totally totally crazy for why I'm like there's there's no way this thing my if I, I'm just going to be bluntly honest my worry going in was I hope I don't get through all this and then there's like oh wow that was 40 minutes uh but long story short did it last night <laughs> and for the last uh, probably like 20 slides 20 to 25 slides, I had to just improvise and run, like just fly through them. Now, not fly them through in a bad way. I still got the point across, but I didn't go through them like I had planned. And even with flying through the back half of that presentation, three hour live presentation, I don't know how I still have a voice. Um, if you're not familiar with my podcast or, or haven't, you know, taken, any of my classes from other sites or whatever. Um, I do like this stuff, I really do. So sometimes I get a little animated, sometimes I get fired up and my voice is, you know, I, I don't yell, but I get passionate. And I was getting passionate, I was getting fired up in three hours, and at the end it was funny, I was, and at the end, at the question and answer, there were people still there asking questions. I, it, it blew my mind. I really feel bad, though, so to this person, if you happen to listen to this, uh, get a hold of me. I, I, I wanna, you know, um, yeah, just, I wanna apologize personally, uh, but one person had to leave um, because uh, Nate, the guy I work with, uh, he's the IT guy behind the scenes, uh, he, was in the, he was in the chat box area, making sure that if people ask questions that he could answer them and help them out, because there's no way I'm gonna be able to give a live presentation in a time-efficient manner obviously, and then also answer questions. So Nate was there and he was like, yeah, uh, one guy had to leave because their babysitter had to leave. I'm like, oh, this guy got a babysitter for? He's like, yeah, and he told the babysitter two hours. I was like, oh my goodness, I feel terrible. <laughs> guy." Now granted, it is gonna be recorded, so he'll be able to see the, the back half of the final hour, but that made me feel bad. Somebody got a sitter, and I told people 90, mi- I totally lied, I'm a lying scumbag. I told people 90 minutes, And it went an extra ninety minutes, three hours. I didn't know that was possible, but I just proved myself wrong. So from the morale department, hey, just because you don't think something's possible, you can do it. Three hour, and like I said, that was with skipping. If I would have went through, that thing might have been like four hours. So the next thing on the to do list, I got to go through and revamp. I gotta, I gotta, I was gonna pull out, say, pull out the scissors and start cutting some stuff away, um, but I'm gonna need a a samurai sword or like an axe or I guess really a chainsaw I'm gonna have to cut some stuff out I don't know what I'm gonna have to cut out uh, but yeah three hours that's too long and like I said I was honored that people were still there after three hours and asking questions but I, I, I can't do that I felt like a boxer well I, I don't I've never boxed so I suppose this is a poor analogy because I don't know if this is how they feel but mentally I felt just totally beat down I was like I don't know how I did that, but I got through it. Uh, well, I know how I did it, it was fun. It honestly was fun to do it. Um, but the non-fun part was I kept looking at the clock saying, Clay, why don't you time this beforehand, you moron? Um, and I did, I, I did each slide, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Some slides are gonna take a, a minute-ish, other slides are gonna take like five seconds. So it'll average out and be okay. Yeah, don't do not do that, okay? Um, so business 101, like I said, I, none of this is rocket science, but so just uh, a, a crazy last night and I walk out and my wife is like, are you okay? I was about to walk in there. I didn't know what, like, what was going on. Cause I told her, I was like, yeah, it'll be, it'll be like 90 minutes, two hours at most. I, li- I lied to my wife too. I lied to all attendees. I lied to my wife. Um, so it was, it was quite the, it the, w- it was the quite the ordeal, but very, very fun, but um, so like I said, if my voice goes out, then it is what it is, but at least you, we got a good little business reminder, and honestly, thank you for listening. This may have nothing to do with you, but talking it out loud, that that helped, actually, because I was like, yeah, you know, I, I definitely, I'm, when you talk out loud, it's weird how you realize things, um, which is another business secret. When you're proofreading, and I learned this, yeah, it's okay, I'm only 35, and I'm just starting to learn this, but if you're proofreading something, read it out loud. Because you can be reading it out loud and be like, wait, no, that makes no sense. It's weird how things on a, on a page might make sense in your mind as you kind of, your eyes go really fast, but if you try to read it out loud, the, the things you realize, the things, the mistakes you see, it's just, it's. I would recommend if you proofread, read out loud. And I just say that because that's what I've been doing for the past about seven minutes now, is just talking out loud with you. Um, and like I said last week, I really do picture these like it's just me and a microphone. Right now, it's not even 5 a.m. yet. You know, I I, I explained my uh, sketch schedule last week, um, so it's literally just me. It's still dark outside, um, but I picture this microphone as, as you as like a person. So I'm just talking out loud, sharing uh, my thoughts. But so thank you for listening. Let's move into today's content though, and I'm also trying something somewhat different. I say somewhat because I started reading, I was like, wait a second why don't we just try something where uh, you don't necessarily read it and then you just react as you go through it. Um, And that way you can kind of get uh, like a little honest reaction. So I don't know totally what I'm gonna talk about here, but from the headline, I I bet there's some talking points that are gonna arise. So this comes from CNBC and it was released on May 13th, so just a couple days ago. The title, 62% of millennials, 62% say they're living paycheck to paycheck. All right, that doesn't sound like an ideal situation. About two-thirds of millennials say they're living paycheck to paycheck and only 38% feel financially stable according to a new survey from Charles Schwab. That's that's no way to live, 38%. Millennials more than any other generation surveyed by Schwab feel the most insecure when it comes to their finances. That's according to roughly 380 millennials ages 23 to 38. So in this range, I am a millennial. Sometimes I'm in no man's land. It literally skips over those born in 1983, which is when I was born. But in this one, I am. Uh, I would be considered a millennial. Um, so let's move down here. Yet millennials also say. So remember, they're they're uncertain about their future and they are living paycheck to paycheck. So with that in mind, yet millennials also, whenever you ever see the word yet, you know, okay. There's some, there's some sort of contrast going on here. Yet millennials also say they spend an average of $470, $478 a month on quote unquote, and they're in the article, non-essential purchases, such as dining out, entertainment, luxury items, and vacations. Hmm, okay. I'm trying to be compassionate, but all of a sudden my compassion meter is starting to drop rapidly. Playing the victim card. Well, no, that's not fair. I, nobody says they're actually playing the victim card, but they're worried. So in, in a way, but two thirds are worried, yet they're spending money, okay? On non-essential items. I'm, I'm gonna try to campaign, remain Try to remain compassionate. It may seem odd that when we look at statistics that so many millennials are living paycheck to paycheck, but on the other hand, they're overspending, says Farnoosh uh, Torabi, personal finance author and host of the So Money podcast. Schwab partners with Torabi's Stacks House, a pop-up experience that promotes financial independence for women. But while it may seem counterintuitive it's the real. It's really the many millennials face. She says, "Whenever your finance, or it's the reality many millennials face. She says, when your financial life is in disarray, chances are you will overspend. Really, she says. CNBC's make it emotions around money lead us to make irrational choices. <clears throat> I get maybe maybe I, I, I must just be the outlier because for me, if I'm feeling things are getting rough, I'm doing the exact opposite. In fact, there's a st- statistic in economics, uh, the consumer pricing, or the, the consumer confidence, uh, and the consumer confidence number is all about how much people are, are spending. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's right, but the logic behind you know the consumer confidence and all those uh, economic numbers is, hey, when the consumer numbers are high, that means confidence is high, therefore people are spending money. Whereas this person is apparently saying the exact opposite. Whereas, according to this person, that statistic should be really low. Because if that statistic is really low, that would all of a sudden make people be paying or, you know, paying and spending money because they're becoming irrational, which isn't really the case. Usually, if you're confident in stuff, okay, that's when you're going to spend money. So that's why I say I don't think I'm quite part of this because, and I don't think economists would think that either um so an interesting take there i don't, that that almost seems like a maybe somewhat of an excuse for these people well you know they're just they're worried they're in disarray so they're just overspending i don't know how about they yeah that that doesn't quite does that make sense to you 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 get kind of a little i don't want to say in freak out mode but you get worried so then all of a sudden you start overspending and the 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 pile, get, now I can understand, uh, and spending's probably not the word, but I can say, all right, you know what? I'm gonna invest $100, or I'm gonna, in, you know, invest a couple hundred dollars, even though things are looking a little bit shady, I'm gonna invest it into something that could potentially make me more than $200, right? That would be an investment, not a cost. I'm gonna invest $100 into such and such thing that'll help me, or I'm gonna invest such and such thing into this business idea I have. That's much different than saying, man, I'm getting worried. Let's go to Applebee's and talk about it. Uh, that's, uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm getting worried. Let's go see Avengers Endgame and talk about it. By the way, I've seen it twice now, great movie. It's not just a spending problem. That's uh, the subheader here or this next ty- or part of the article. It may be easier to criticize millennials for simply spending too much. Oh, maybe, I, eh. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it is easy. But other issues are also at play. Okay, let's see what else is at play. Uh, Terry Callison, Schwab's Executive Vice President of Investor Services, tells CNBC, spending is not the enemy that we might think it is. Well, according to these stats, it, it probably would be the enemy. She says, as a generation, millennials also are facing systematic financial issues that can feel overwhelming. They generally carry more debt than previous generations did at their age. For example, well, I'm still, I still—I don't understand the problem here. Yes, they have debt, but the debt's not getting any better when you're out there spending it on, your words, not mine, non-essential items. That, this seems very weak so far. Maybe there's more coming. Like I said, I don't, I don't know. I haven't read ahead, so maybe I'm about to look stupid. We're gonna find out. So let's see, they generally carry more debt than previous generations did at their age, for example. One major reason for that is student loans. The number of households with student loan debt doubled from 1998 to 2016, Pew Research Center found. The median amount of loan debt millennials carried was $19,000, significantly higher than Generation X's balance of $12,800. And that is, I, I've, I've gone, ranted and raved over and over again about the whole student loans, um, but and to me there when it as in a nutshell when it comes to i don't like to say student loan when it comes to education there's two types of education there's debt education those being student loans meaning you go and get a degree in you know the, the philosophy of ukrainian ducks and then you go and get a phd in the philosophy of Ukrainian ducks. And then you're like, I can't find a job. Now I'm in debt and I I don't have a job. Well, you know, that, that, that was not an investment into your education. That was totally taken on debt for something that, uh, listen, if you like Ukrainian ducks, that's awesome. But just keep it a hobby. Don't go and throw yourself into debt in order to pursue something with no job market. Whereas if you're like, yeah, you know, I, I went and I became a nurse or, you know, I went to a two-year degree and became a dental hygienist. Okay, there's a, that's an investment. I'm not saying they're not going to have debt, but what I am saying is because it was an investment and because investments give you a quote unquote ROI return on investment, you're going to be able to pay off that, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to stay above water in terms of just being able to pay that monthly uh, payment. Uh, let's see, student loans are not the only kind of debt millennials hold. About 40% of millennials uh, defined as those 20 to 35, okay, so now all of a sudden this range, I just made it, by skin of my teeth, 35, have credit card debt, according to a recent survey by Lightstream, the online lending division of SunTrust Bank. Okay, still though, I mean, what's the root cause? To me, and I'm just thinking out loud, it, it is still a spending problem, though, because where did this debt come from? Why are, is this debt coming from them spending money on non-essential items? Just the credit card debt, that is. I mean, I think that's plausible. I don't think I'm being irrational to think that. So right now, it still does seem like a spending problem. Yeah, the debt, but that was also just, that seems like a poor investment decision problem there. So now I realize you can't go back, and that's fine, but if you do have the student loans, if you made a poor investment decision into your, you know, into your degree, then that's fine. Acknowledge. Whoops, I made a poor investment decision. What can I do to start to fix it? Well, I should probably start stop spending on non-essential items. But you can't have it both ways. Ah, oh, woe is me! I made a bad investment decision when it came to education, and I got the, you know, the philosophy of Ukrainian duck degree. And uh, what? But I'm still going to Applebee's. It doesn't work like that, okay? Well, it, it does work like that, and then you end up being not, you know, for certain about your future. Millennials, age 25 to 34, on okay. So there we go. So in this age range, I'm out. Ages 25 to 34 had an average of $36,000 in debt last year, excluding home mortgages, or according to Northwest Mutuals. 2018 planning and progress study rising home costs and the fact that salaries just don't go as far as they once did to cover the necessities also added the pressure that, no that's that's not real what what who are no rising home costs and the fact that salaries just don't go as far as they use no they don't go as far because people are spending what was that number 400 some dollars on non necessities And then they're making bad decisions to put those non necessities on credit card, which increase the debt burden, which then rolls against you. That has nothing to do with salary right now. This is all, this is all everything to do with spending. Everything to do with spending right now. When you're saddled with student loan debt, when you have credit card debt, well, yeah, because, but where's that credit card debt coming from? Non-essential items. That did not say that these millennials are spending this stuff on, you know, bread water and and rent and some clothes, necessities. It's non-essentials per your definition. When you don't have a lot of financial literacy, I do agree there. This is the whole idea of this right here. Cuz when you don't have a lot of financial literacy, that can lead you to making unhealthy decisions with your money, including overspending. To that portion of it, I really I fully agree. You gotta locate the source, why do you have that credit card debt? And that's where financial literacy comes into play. So yes, definitely, for sure. That's why I offer classes, that's why I offer all that stuff, because um, yeah, that is definitely a real thing. And as this is, what we're reading about is the impact of non-financial literacy. Absolutely right. So the next subheader here is, it's about finding balance. Kind, I don't know, we'll see, I, I really don't know. While managing your money is part math, most of it comes down to mindset, Tarabi says. Hey, all right, I agree. A mindset towards, to to nitpick, I would say, well, it's a mindset towards having a plan and having a strategy for your finances. So I'm I'm assuming they're gonna go on and say something like that. Adds Kelson, we want people to have good experiences in life, but most important thing is that people find The right balance so that spending doesn't impact their long-term financial security. I have certainly, yeah, I've said that, so I would agree there. I mean, it's all about making sure you have a balance. So really, you could replace plan or strategy with the word balance. It sounds like that's how he is defining balance, to which I would agree. You gotta find that balance. You can't, for you long-time listeners, I'm pretty sure I've talked about Long-term and short-term. You know, you gotta think more so long pictures or big picture, uh, you know, sometimes, which, you know, is the same as long-term. You need to find, hey, there we go. You need to find a strategy that works for you. Okay, I'm gonna nitpick this one, but it's true. You need to find a strategy that works for you and allows you to have reward, rewarding life experiences and save for the future. No, you need to find a strategy that's proven to work. That's what you need to find. Works for me oh, well, I wanna do this and I wanna do that. Yeah, how's that working out for you? According to two-thirds of millennials, a strategy that works for them is not uh, is not the strategy. And a strategy that actually works is getting a strategy, meaning you go and, and you learn from somebody that's actually done is where you wanna be. So no, it's not a strategy that works for you. Now, I, I get the essence of what they're saying, but Just to be a nitpicker, you gotta be very careful because I can see somebody starting to get apples and oranges here. Well, you know, that works for me because this, and well, I'm gonna do that, and no, no, no. You need to find a strategy that works. Not for you, that works. And there are strategies, there are plans out there that work. I can't sit here and say that they are pleasant strategies all the time, but getting your financial Uh, you know, future, getting your finances in general in order at times is not always gonna be rainbows and sunshines and butterflies and sweet little old ladies on motorized carts, okay? That's not how it works. So you need to find a plan that works for you. But yeah, I I do agree, I'm not saying that you sit there and you hoard money the rest of your life and you never have any fun experiences. You need to save for the future, you need to have some fun. But there's, there's, there's strategies out there, there's proven strategies that works. So not what works for you, but just what works. Too much of any one thing is not good, or too much of any one thing is not a good thing for your overall biochemistry, Callison says. And too much of any one thing from a finance standpoint is not a good thing for your overall financial plan. Yeah, I see what he's saying, and I would agree. You don't wanna just go too, you don't wanna go too too extreme in either direction because uh, if you go too extreme in either direction, it's gonna have um, adverse effects, even if you're say, Clay, I'm living on bread, water, and everything else goes to paying on debt. That's pretty, I mean, that's awesome, but that's, that sounds good on paper, that sounds good to say until you actually start to, to, to live it, and then all of a sudden, you can't stay because that's just not a sustainable approach, and then you feel bad about yourself, and then all of a sudden, you're at Applebee's telling people, how you spend, and your, your debt is going right back up. So that's what I mean, I, and I, I, get the, he, I, I do agree there that too much of any one thing, uh, whether the, the intent is good or bad, I mean, that, that is very true. If you're trying to reduce your spending, the first step, ah, here we go, is to get organized about what you spend and how you spend it. Sandra Davis, a financial coach and uh, adjunct professor at Golden State University tells CNBC, know where you are and I know what you want and know what you want. I need to make this font a little bit bigger apparently. Know where you are and know what you want, she says. Yeah, just make sure what you want is what it needs to be. So that's kind of the whole point is, and and maybe that's the essence of what she's saying. Um, Maybe I should just keep reading, let's see. Be really clear with yourself about, yeah, all right. Be really clear with yourself about what you want and what's achievable. And be realistic, she says. Don't expect, uh, don't expect yourself to go immediately from saving nothing to putting away $400 a month. If you can barely save $40, start by trying to save $40. To which I agree. But I, I, see here's the thing. And these are working together. And this is just me thinking out loud, but all right. Know what you want. Yeah, okay. I, I get it kind of, but then you combine that with this whole idea of a strategy that works for you. Well, how do you, when you don't know what you don't know, meaning you know, your financial literacy is kind of wavering, so if you, if you don't have solid financial literacy, then you're not gonna really know what you should want. So if you don't really know what you should want, then how are you supposed to do a strategy that works for you? Well, you, you don't even know what you want, so how can you find a strategy that works? Now, let me take that back. You don't know what you should want. I'm not saying you can't want things. My question is is that what you actually should be wanting right now? And I see this quite a bit where where people and again, there's nothing wrong with their intent. Their intent is noble. Their their intent is, you know, I want to get out of debt. I want to take control back of my life. I want to, you know, I want freedom. I want all and great. Awesome. I love the intent. So in order to get all that stuff, this is what I want to do. And they're quote unquote, I want to do. I'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. No." I understand why you might think that. So I'm not calling you stupid. I'm not calling you greedy or anything. I understand, but do this first. Because when you do this, then that happens, which opens up the door for this other thing. Which goes back to it's not about a strategy that works for you. It's about a strategy that strategy that has proven to work, okay? That's what it's all about. Ooh, I like the way this is first. Surround yourself with people and influences that will help you make healthy financial decisions. 100% agree. Talk about this all the time. Iron sharpens iron. So yes, if you are surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that have no idea what they're doing with their money, if you're trying to you know get healthy, but you're surrounded around, but you're putting yourself around a bunch of people that are eating you know, Five Guys burgers all the time, you know, I'm not saying that you won't you know, keep eating healthy, but you're not exactly tilting the odds and probabilities in your favor. If you're hanging out with people who are constantly spending money, constantly keeping up with the Joneses, guess what? That's going to have a big impact on your bottom line as well, Tarabi says, and that looks like the end of the article. So hey, we end in full agreement right there. Absolutely, surround yourself, with people that will influence you and help you make healthy financial decisions. Um, but overall, good. Ar- what did you think about that? I'm curious as your feedback. Did do you like when I have things maybe a little bit more, I don't wanna say pre-scripted out because I mean, I don't script anything. Uh, do you want, but do you like when I go into it with some general talking points? Or did you kinda like this where I just talked out loud and, and kinda went through it and, and gave my thoughts um, maybe this was a total fail, but hey, you know what, you, you never know unless you try. Uh, but overall, I, I still would say it sounds like it's a spending problem. It's definitely a spending problem, and it's a, a, it's a lack of balance, or you know, it, a lack of strategy problem here. And yeah, you do have to find balance, but finding balance, it's not rocket science, but it can be easy to go extreme in either direction or not do enough in either direction. Uh, so you gotta find something that works and um, I will totally plug my class because I know it works. And that's not hearsay, that's not me just running my mouth. It comes with a one-year money-back guarantee. And the guarantee states, hey, if you do what I teach you to do, and you can show me that you've done what I show you to do, and I map it out step by step by step. In my previous life, before I went out here on my own, I was a process engineer. I say that because I know how to set up a process. So if you follow the process, do this first, and then you're gonna do this, and then figure out that number, and then do this. And I mean, it comes with a checklist. If you do that, then my system works. Not empty words, one year money back guarantee. And it, it got me to where I am now, debt free. Uh, I make money while I sleep. I don't say that in a cocky way, but that should be all of our goals. You gotta be able to make money when you sleep. You got to be able to wake up with more money in your bank account because you have what that and that's called passive income. That, that that's that's the ticket to freedom right there is passive income. I have that, um, but the first thing I had to do was was get my finances in order. So you know I map out what I've done, uh, what I call the slab money method. Uh, got paid me or helped me pay off $163,000 in debt, and from there it's just been a snowball. Um, I want to say in an upwards direction because that's kind of how I like. To, I don't like things that roll downhill. I always like to be, you know, progressing up. But you know what I mean. So if you're interested in that, just go to moneywithclay.com. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't. Whether or not you get it, nothing on my end changes. Like I'm, I'm debt free. I, I have multiple streams of income, so it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me or the other. But I, you know, it, it, it can change you. It, it can make a light bulb. It will make a light bulb go on. And it does work. So like I said, nothing in my life changes, whether or not you go and and make the investment into that, but everything could change for you. And and I'm quite confident it will change for you. Um, And if it doesn't, well, like I said, it's got a one-year money back guarantee. So if if that's uh, something they're like, oh, you're just saying all that, okay. Then I don't know how you explain that one-year money back guarantee, but it is what it is. So there is my plug, but it's something where I gotta, I I need to plug that more often because I 100% believe in it and I feel like I'm doing people a disservice by not making people aware of it because I, uh, well, Kainoa you've heard from um, already, he went through it debt-free. Another guy right now, Tony is going through it and he's, I think he's about a month out, maybe less than a month now, where uh, according to his projections and everything, he's gonna be debt-free, so we'll get him on the show. But that, it it works, so go make the investment into it um, and it'll it'll bring you back far more than the investment amount of 129 bucks. I mean, 129 bucks, give me a break. If that can change your life, because it will change your life, it can. if that can give you the financial literacy you need to be able to take control, then that's that truly is a drop in the bucket. So thank you for hanging out, thank you for letting me uh, talk out loud with you earlier, and I will see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there and I I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself